I got to tell you, I think the world is going stark, raving, insane, and mad. Uh, I'm hearing the details of what went on in this uh, judge's court. Uh, it's frankly shocking in the, in the Roger Stone case as he rightly seeks a new trial. We'll get into all of that. I mean, how, if you have a juror, that's the foreperson that had previously held prejudice and strong opinions against the person that she is presiding over as, a, as the jury foreperson, uh, that would be a tainted jury. That case should be thrown out of court immediately. Apparently, the, the judge, again, is, you know, trying to, you know, button things down and shut everybody up and then lecture Donald Trump and the media for daring to point it out when the person that outed themselves was the jury foreperson herself. Not happy with the fact that the attorney general rightly stepped in and said, uh, Mueller's team asking nine years for five lies is not exactly uh, a federal offense that puts somebody in jail to die. Because that's what they're looking for. And not only that, even as liberal as this judge was, this judge in this particular case uh, even went with the recommendation of, of the attorney general, which was within the sentencing guidelines. But that being said, this was a tainted jury. There's no other way to put it. The person outed themselves, the jury for person, person had used social media who attack Roger Stone by name and the president. Okay, that is not somebody that would represent an impartial jury. Case closed, case dismissed, time for a new case, time for a new trial. If you want to do that or just dismiss the charges, whatever you happen to have happen. We have that going on. You know, I I find it amazing you've got, and I'll get into this later in the program today because I interviewed Julian Assange. There is an extradition hearing going on in Great Britain about whether he should, ironically, now pay close attention, be brought up on espionage charges in the United States and wow, espionage act, espionage. Oh, that's right. That would be 18 USC 793. That would be Hillary Clinton putting classified and top secret emails on her server, her secret server. And then of course, obstruction would then kick in because it was Hillary Clinton that, you know, was responsible for the 33,000 deleted emails and acid washing the hard drive with bleach bits, so it can't re- forensically we can't recover any of the old emails. And then hammers were used on devices. That happens to everybody, right? You always bust up your iPhone that you're getting rid of, and you all bust up your BlackBerry you're getting rid of. You beat it with a hammer, right? I'm sure all of you do that. I don't think so. And take the SIM card out just to make triply sure that they can't recover any information. Unbelievable. And then, of course, well, okay. The, the big question, and when I went down in January of 2017 and I interviewed Julian Assange, I, Linda, how many times did I ask the question and how many different ways did I ask the question of Julian Assange, you know, did Russia give him this information? This was just at the beginning of all of this madness that started beginning with Russia, 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 because the Democrats started their claim, remember, in December of 2016, that the Russian government was directly tied to the 2016 election hacking. With weeks to go before they left office, Obama announced sanctions against Russia, pulled out, I guess, some 35 or so, uh, I guess, diplomats that were in Russia at the time. And this is where it all began. Now, this is where it begins to intersect with everything, the origins of the Russia, Russia, Russia witch hunt. Because it was July of 2016. They finally got around interviewing Hillary Clinton. Peter Strzok, one of the two interviewers, July 2nd, 2016. 
And she was allowed to bring into her interrogation, which is unheard of. Another, oh, we want you to win. Cheryl Mills and some other person were involved as well. Anyway, then three days later, James Comey gives his 14-minute speech. And yeah, she did it all, but we're not going to do anything. No prosecutor in his right mind would do that. Uh, Really? I mean, there's quite an irony going on here. Is that you have Hillary Clinton herself paid for. We have bought and paid for Russian disinformation likely from the beginning when I quote the New York Times. Now, that to me is a pretty big deal. Likely Russian disinformation from the beginning. Hillary paid for a dirty Russian dossier, funneled the money through a law firm, Perkins Coie. Perkins Coie hires an op research firm, uh, Fusion GPS. They hire Christopher Steele, former MI6 agent. They put together a series of intelligence, supposedly on Donald Trump, that is very damning. And what does the intelligence say? It says that, you know, Donald Trump had two hookers in his hotel room at the Ritz in Moscow, and they were urinating on his bed. And that got leaked thanks to real hard-hitting conspiracy theorist journalists like David Korn and Michael Lizikoff, just hacks that take information fed to them from anybody, and they don't even bother vetting any of it. Anyway, so that was what, what was the purpose of that? Hillary pays for what was likely Russian disinformation from the beginning, according to the New York Times, with funneled money, hiring MI6, foreign agent, to dig up dirt on Donald Trump to impact the 2016 elections. Now, when is she going to be brought up on the charges that they say they want to bring Julian Assange up on? Because they're talking about the Espionage Act for him. They're talking about, oh, the information he put out, he likely got from Russia. Okay, well, she paid for Russian disinformation, Russian propaganda. She has bought and paid for Russian lies. So as I'm watching these two cases unfold kind of simultaneously here, I'm sitting and I'm thinking to myself, okay, when when does the other side ever get held accountable? I had the long list. Maybe James can bring that in. The long list of, of all the people, all the articles, all, all chronicled of these deep state actors, all of them that lied, lied, and lied again. And even how many times does the inspector general have to refer somebody for criminal investigation and it never seems to happen? Now, do I still believe that what we're watching and witnessing with Durham and Barr is real? I do. I really do. How many times, though, have I said, if you let Hillary get away with the things that she's getting away with, and that means the Espionage Act, if you let Hillary get away with obstruction, which we know happened, if you let Hillary get away with paying for Russian lies disseminated to impact the 2016 election, we don't have a constitutional system of law and order. Then you have a dual justice system. Then you don't have equal justice under the law. You don't have equal application of our laws. So this is a big problem. Anyway, uh, what led to Roger Stone in his case, you know, the jury questionnaire, the the person that became the jury four person said in written questionnaire that she was not sure whether she posted online about the Russia investigation though her Twitter feed in fact did show she posted multiple stories about the probe and the woman out again outed herself and that's why the judge in this case and the questions that the judge the lecturing of the judge today is pretty grotesque in my opinion
because it was her previous social media post showing that she referred to Trump as the Klan president and went directly after Roger Stone and said that all of the president's supporters were racist. Well, that's a pretty damning thing to say for somebody that is going to sit on a jury to determine whether Roger Stone is innocent or guilty. He didn't have any chance at any free, fair trial with an impartial jury under these circumstances. A judge attacking Fox News, uh, accusing uh, the jury for person of being an anti-Trump zealot. Well, I'm just looking at the person's Twitter account and what we've been able to capture. It's now since been removed, but all of that has now been chronicled and we've read it on the air before. So I'm thinking, OK, now, if this happened to any liberal, would this ever happen to Hillary Clinton? Judge Amy Berman Jackson brings up recent false statements by Trump about the juror. They're false and incendiary. No, he said there's a tainted jury. You can't have. All right. Put, let's put it this way. Would you put Sean Hannity on a jury if it was Hillary Clinton that was. I'm, I'm asking seriously. If Hillary Clinton is being brought up on charges like Roger Stone was process crime charges. Would you ever put Sean Hannity um, on the jury? I think the answer is no. You know, I love this. Dan Rather, as we face potential public health crisis, I wish we had a president who believed in science and expertise. The president's team has been working with China from the get-go. The president's now mentioned it numerous times. I think the president, they've been pretty clear about what they want to do here. Anyway, so Stone had no chance of a fair trial. You had a political activist judge running the show, the same judge in the Manafort case. How is it these judges, lifetime appointments, they get away with murder, any, get, get away with anything? 40 months in jail for lying. Wow. And, you, and remember in the case, 29 men in tactical gear and, a, and frogmen in the back of Roger Stone's house and for lying crimes and CNN, CNN cameras tipped off. The same thing in the Manafort case. And I'm sitting here watching. It's sort of like surreal. Okay, Julian Assange. I have no idea where Julian Assange got his information from. I don't know. I have theories. I have ideas. I've been told things. I just, can I confirm any of it? I can't. I wish I could. But it doesn't really matter, does it? Because I kept asking him in his case. But I mean, again, they want to bring him to the U.S. for charges of the Espionage Act. Well, what about Hillary Clinton? They want to bring him to the U.S. and charge him with, you know, what? Uh, leaking information that he got from the Russians that he said he didn't get from the Russians. I have no idea where he got it from. But the difference would be, has anyone read the Pentagon paper case? That's a pretty straightforward case. I asked over and over again where he got this information from. You know, I asked him I specifically, we're being told, Clinton's campaign, the President of the United States, Department of Homeland Security, Director of National Intelligence, I asked Julian Assange that WikiLeaks was working with the Russian government to influence the election. Is that true? Assange's answer to me, no, that's absolutely false. And if you read their statements carefully, you will see they don't actually say that. They kind of mention one fact here, one fact there and nothing else. I, I don't know the full answer. I was just asking the right questions. Can you say to the American people unequivocally, you did not get the information about the DNC, John Podesta's emails. Can you tell the American people a thousand percent you didn't get it from Russia? I didn't get it from Russia. Anybody associated with Russia? No, we can. And we have said repeatedly 
over the last two months. Our source is not the Russian government, and it is not any state party. How many times can you ask one guy this, the same question? But that was the question. Did Russia give you the information or anybody associated with Russia? Those are the questions that I've been asking. Okay, but you see the difference here. This is a dual justice system we're now talking about. You know, the woman literally was mocking Barr on social media, the foreperson. Mocking the attorney general. Why? Because he didn't want nine years for lying? You know, she commends the four prosecutors. By the way, we have issues about them. Very angry, very political, kept mentioning that the, the committee was run by Nunes and Republicans, that this wasn't about a political operative supporting a candidate. It was Roger Stone covering up for the president. Well, I guess that would say she had a preconceived notion about Roger Stone and couldn't be an objective juror. She said the prosecution against Stone had nothing to do with Russia collusion. And how were his answers material to the House investigation into Russia? She said Stone inserted himself, et cetera, et cetera. This judge, I'm telling you, is is off her kilter here. It's getting weirder and weirder in the Democratic Party race. Uh, Bloomberg advisor Sanders said toddlers should run around naked and touch each other's genitals. Oh, boy. Then we know that uh, apparently Michael Bloomberg has a girlfriend and she delivered a stern message for the critics of Bloomberg in his history of non-disclosures. Anyway, reacting to the controversy, you know, in none of them was he accused of doing anything and any and and saying something nasty to somebody that is not who he is. Life has changed. I grew up in that world. It was a bro culture. It was 30 years ago. Get over it. Okay, I think that might not go over resonate really well, but we'll see. Um, This is very interesting what's happening with Lindsey Graham is taking depositions next week. Finally, we're hopefully going to get to the bottom of a lot of this. He's he's now outlined and identified 21 people that he's going to be interviewing as it relates to all these issues regarding the Russian election interference and the investigation that followed thereafter and. The attorney uh, general apparently left the Senate lunch. He said that he was going to internal regulation changes, which he has the power to do. Um, How quickly will Barr do that? I think it's going to happen fairly quickly. On the timing of the House Intel briefing, Catherine Herridge of CBS News is now saying the minority had the first indications of election security briefing mid-January in the days immediately after the articles of impeachment were transmitted with a formal notice in early February. There's so much up in the air. All right, we'll get to the 2020 election when we get back. This is a shift show of all shift shows straight ahead. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. We went into great detail yesterday about the insane background associations, comments, Bernie Sanders. Bernie now the leader of this Democratic Party shift show. And I guess they're all going to kill each other heading into South Carolina. It's, it is go- We have every indication this is now going to be ugly with Bernie winning Nevada by a whopping 26 points. He's now three for three. Um, this is probably Joe Biden's firewall. If he can't win South Carolina, I don't see how he even continues. I mean, Bloomberg obviously can stay in as long as he wants. But Bloomberg had a disaster of a debate the last time is. 
his comments about African-Americans and and minorities on throwing young kids up against the wall. And, you know, why are you only arresting minority kids for marijuana? They're all minorities. Yeah. Why? Because we put all the cops in minority neighborhoods. Well, why would you do that? Because that's where all the crime is. Murderers, murder victims, they fit one M.O. You just take a description and Xerox it and pass it out to all the cops, all male minorities, 16 to 25. I'm like, okay, if that's true in New York and virtually every city in America, uh, how's that going to go over this campaign season? Not really sure, but they're desperate. Now, heading, looking at the polls heading into uh, South Carolina, Biden has a narrow lead over Sanders. Uh, but I mean, now we're within the margin of error. And for some weird reason, Tom Steyer has 15% in South Carolina coming in third place. I guess he spent a lot of money there. I, I just assume money does work in politics to up to a point. It works. Um, Bernie Sanders reveals major plans, uh, to be funded by new taxes, massive lawsuits and military cuts. Okay. Still, it doesn't add up. The math does not in any way add up doesn't matter somebody needs to buy this guy a calculator because your new green deal your medicare for all at your lower price than than elizabeth warren at 32 million or a trillion dollars in 10 years we only take in four four and a half trillion a year that's it so who's going to pay for that well bolshevik bernie now is under fire even by his fellow democrats now the weird part is is they're trying to distance themselves from him but they can't because they they all take a variation of everything that he supports. It's just a matter of what degree of insanity or socialism or redistribution or statism or government control of pretty much every aspect of our lives do they do they want to be a part of. Now, you do have one rare exception, and that would be Mayor Bloomberg, Mini Mike the Farmer. And Mini Mike the Farmer, yeah, he supports death panels when he told that, well, we just tell a 95-year-old person they've got cancer. I'll go home, hang out with your family. You've lived a good life. You've exceeded your life expectancy. So he supports death panels on tape saying it. And, and of course, they can't fix right no, we, don't, we don't have time. We'll play it another day. That's what he said. His comments to women, his comments about minorities, his, uh, his out of touchness is just, it is breathtaking. But I'm telling you, it's all the candidates, not just a few of the candidates. You've got a, you got Sanders, I told you yesterday, his rape fantasies that he wrote when he was 30. A woman enjoys intercourse with her man she, as she's fantasizing being raped by three men simultaneously. I guess move over. Uh, we thought Joe, quid pro quo Joe, was creepy. And Mayor Bloomberg was creepy. Then, it, then Sanders writes, do you know why the newspaper with the articles like Girl 12, Raped by 14 Men, sells so well? Well... To what in us are they appealing? Well, I think Bolshevik Bernie can, you know, probably, I would say, speak for himself on that. Linda, what are you trying to tell me there? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Kids in the cars. All right. Sorry. Um, I'm done with the gross part, but it is gross. It is weird on a level. I don't think any normal person can comprehend. That's pretty sick stuff. You know, they're, they're saying it was an attempt at satire. What's funny about it? I don't see anything funny about that. But at least Bolshevik Ver Bernie's worries, you know, all right, so he's he's saying he's a, a democratic socialist. Okay, 
But why then has he been palling around with some of the most vile, evil, murderous regimes that exist in the world? Who would take a 10-day honeymoon in the former Soviet Union and praise the former Soviet Union's infrastructure and youth programs? Okay, uh, forget about the hostile actor that is Vladimir Putin and the hostile regime that is Russia. Forget about that. Under the old Soviet system, let's see, did he forget that tens of millions of political dissidents were murdered by the very same Soviet government he was praising at the time? Did he forget about the gulags, the political prisoners? Did he forget about the KGB terrorized the population? Did he forget about the millions dying from starvation, the bread lines? A way of life, basic necessities. You'd spend hours every day waiting online for milk and, and bread and medical supplies because everything was in short supply. I thought to each according to his need, from each according to his ability, was going to, we're all going to be equal and we're all going to be living high on the hog. Well, no, almost everybody lived in abject poverty and fear, except the military, because you need the military to protect this corruption. And except those that were the highly respected elected officials. You know, I quoted last night, I think it was Alexander Solzhenitsyn, I forget. All communist parties, upon obtaining power, have become completely merciless. At the stage before they achieve power, it's necessary to use disguises. In other words, keep your doctor, keep your plan and save twenty five hundred dollars per family per year. You know, that's a disguise, a lie and promises that can never be kept. You know, and then, by the way, and that wasn't the only dictator he praised. Remember, uh, Daniel Ortega. He went to visit Nicaragua in 1985, praising the country's a socialist revolution there in the sixth anniversary. Called Ortega a very impressive guy. Uh, even praising, if you can believe it, the bread lines in Nicaragua at the time. Oh, we got bread lines and everything. Spend hours in line to, for a chance to feed your starving family. He said it was actually a good thing. I played it on television last night. And if you think it's bad, he visited Cuba. Ever noticed the poverty in Cuba? Praising the Castro regime. Free health care, free education, free housing. Continuing to praise the dictatorship there and their literacy rate is he out of his mind you know i mean he's literally like vermont's village idiot the evil castro regime you know uh, turned a, a caribbean paradise into a socialist hellhole the republic of cuba seized what private property everybody's farms homes businesses they killed their political adversaries confiscated pretty much everything nationwide uh, we had so many hundreds of thousands of Cubans fleeing to the U.S. Thankfully, many of them got here safely. Look at the people even to this day that will get in broken down rickety boats and shark infested waters or inner tubes to come to the U.S. because of they want to get the hell out of there. Thousands thrown in prison, 140,000 political dissidents murdered by Castro and company. Everyone in Cuba pretty much lives under oppression. They're all fear. No freedom of the press, no freedom of speech. 2015, only 5% of Cubans had access to the Internet, which they still heavily censor. There's censorship that goes on there. Human rights groups, surveillance, beatings, arbitrary detention. You know, and it goes on. Public acts of repudiation still led by the Cuban government. And his socialistic system is an abject failure. This is your modern, extreme, radical, democratic party. Rationing food. 
mass exodus of people, long lines for chicken, flour, even soup. Average salary in Cuba is 20 bucks a month. Castro was like a billionaire. Congratulations, Bolshevik Bernie. The literacy rates are very high. You know, I get that's the system. Venezuela, he wants to bring that to the United States. Well, he wants to nationalize health care. Medicare for all wants to nationalize the energy industry. Almost every one of these insane Democrats, almost every one of them. Wants some form of Medicare for all. Okay, uh, well, his Medicare for all plan is 32 trillion by his estimate in 10 years. We only take in four, four and a half trillion a year. Then he's admitting he's going to lose jobs and he's going to tax people starting at twenty nine thousand dollars a year. Okay, let somebody give him a calculator. The new Green Deal is ninety three trillion in 10 years. And we're going to get rid of oil and gas. We're going to forgive student loans. College is going to be free, free child care, free pre-child care, um, free early education. Everything's free. Health care is free. Guaranteed government job. You think they could ever fulfill this? He, he's nuts. He's already admitted he's going to tax people with 29000 a year. What the worst part is they're all going to have this wealth tax. What is a wealth tax? After you pay your 50, 60 cents of the, on the dollar when you pay all your taxes, depending if you live in a state like New York, you know, 10% state income tax, 3% city income tax, highest property taxes in the entire country, 13.5% income tax in California. All right, well, now you're up to 53, 5, 60 cents of every dollar you make. Okay, but if you're stupid enough, I guess, to save any of that money, well, then they're going to come back and take another bite at the apple, legalize stealing, and take more of your money. And then when you die, they want 40% of what's left federally. And if you're in New York, another 13%. 10 for the state and 3 for the city. Democrats running for president, what? They want to transform the country. Never mind that you're right to keep and bear arms. Look at Bloomberg. Never mind you confiscate your earnings. Never mind they're bizarre. We're all going to pay for health care for illegal immigrants and have open borders. I guess they pretty much want to decide what you eat, what you say, where you live, how you make your living. That all-powerful, centralized, socialist utopia that has been tried over and over again has resulted in nothing but murder, suffering, carnage, and destruction. But that's what's on the ballot box. That's what matters in this election. That's what's happening. You know, Democrats rush to condemn Bernie after he praises Castro. Oh, okay. I'm really, really impressed by that. Really am. Uh, um, oh, one statistic Bloomberg's not going to like. Apparently, he increased stop and frisk 700%. Whoopsie daisy. He was more extreme than Rudy Giuliani. Bloomberg. Advisor. Sanders said toddlers should run around naked and touch each other's genitals. Okay, it's really creepy. You got Michael Bloomberg's girlfriend about the people that, I guess, file lawsuits of Bloomberg's company. Get over it. Okay, good luck with that. By the way, Joe, we got to play these two latest Joe Biden gaffes. I mean, this guy, first he says he's running for Senate. Then he said, I mean, Joe Biden is losing it. There's something really off with this guy, and I don't want to say what I... It's beginning to be really bad. Anyway, let's play the latest hits. That is an independent judgment to be made. My son, the one who, my deceased son, was the attorney general of the United States. And before no, that, he was a federal prosecutor in one of the largest offices in the country, the, in, in Philadelphia. And folks, one of the things I'm proudest of 
is getting passed, getting moved, getting control of the Paris Climate Accord. I'm the guy that came back after meeting with Deng Xiaoping and making the case that I believe China would join if we put pressure on them. We've got almost 200 nations to join. I'm here to ask you for your help. Where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? This day, 30 years ago, Nelson Mandela walked out of prison and entered into discussions about apartheid. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. Unbelievable. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back and we'll continue more on the other side, the Sean Hannity Show. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330. We choose truth over facts. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, The phone. Make sure the kids hear words. No man has a right to raise a hand to a woman. We have to just change the culture, period, and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. But if Donald Hump Donald Trump is reelected. <laughs> Freudian slip. Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. The, it's not hypothetical. Just like in my generation, when I got out of school, that uh, when Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King had been assassinated in, in the 70s, uh, late 70s, when I got engaged. That's something I've heard from some voters, maybe not at your events, but well, details. No, but the details are irrelevant. I just spoke at, a, at Dartmouth on health care. At the medical school, or not, I guess I wasn't actually on the campus, but the people from the medical school were at the, I, I want to be clear, I'm not going nuts, I'm not sure whether it was the medical school or where the hell I spoke, but it was on the campus. And folks, you know, all those Democrats who won uh, against incumbents, uh, from Jimmy Carter to a guy named Clinton, to a guy named Obama, my good friend, guess what? They had overwhelming African-American support. Although I had met uh, Sully and his wife at an event in Los Angeles back in the, in the spring, late fall, early, I mean, late spring, late winter, early fall, early, anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> you must register that weapon. You must register it. When you register it, the likelihood of it being used diminishes exponentially. Why in God's name should someone who's clipping coupons in the stock market make, in fact, pay a lower tax rate than someone who, in fact, is, uh, like I said, the, a school teacher and a firefighter? Shipping and support our campaign. Text Joe 23. Excuse me, I got to get this right. Joe to 30330. And you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. My state is anything from a northeast liberal state. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a fully, I'm not joking. You got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice-looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a storybook. So you think that the notion of a civil war running rife in that country is a misconception? Oh, God. It absolutely It's the same thing, you know, they never learn. 
You may recall way back in, when was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. All the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. You know, not to say that uh, Fidel Castro or Cuba are perfect. They are certainly not. But just because Ronald Reagan dislikes these people does not mean to say that the people in their own nations feel the same way. So they expected a tremendous uprising in Cuba, it never came. And if they are expecting a tremendous uprising in Nicaragua, they are very, very, very mistaken. We're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba. But you know, you got, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? Even though Fidel Castro did it. There's a lot of dissidents imprisoned in, in Cuba. That's right. And we condemn that. Unlike Donald Trump, let's be clear. You want I do not think that Kim Jong-un is a good friend. I don't trade love letters with a murdering dictator. Vladimir Putin, not a great friend of mine. I'm here to ask you for your help. Where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? That's all I've really got to say to you. I'm about... All right, there it is, uh, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. You know, it's actually now getting scary. It's, it is now happening not once a day. It's happening numerous times a day. And that is that Joe just can't hold it together long enough to get anything accomplished. I mean, Joe Biden is losing it. Uh, I don't even know. How do you describe this or say this in as nice a way as is possible? But Joe Biden does not have a fastball. And Bernie Sanders now, besides his rape fantasy crap and every other dumb thing that he keeps saying and the dumb positions that these guys keep taking and the new green deal. Somebody's got to give all of these guys a calculator. Anyway, how is this going to play out? Well, it goes to South Carolina next and this is where, I don't know what it is, the timing of South Carolina, always lead up to Super Tuesday, this is when things start to get really vicious and pretty nasty, and then on the Republican side, too, at this point, but Democrats are particularly nasty right now. Uh, this is not his first rodeo. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina is with us. Sir, how are you? Welcome back, Senator. Sean, thank you. I think you were just describing the tonight's debate as the rumble in the jungle it's going to be a remarkable scene as all the candidates try to become the alternative to bernie sanders but the voters don't want an alternative to bernie sanders they want the socialist policy it is the greatest contrast from the truck the trump economy with unemployment low wages rising african-americans hispanics asians whites women all unemployment record lows. This is the place we want to be in 2020. You know, you said recently in an interview that you thought the president would see at least a 50% increase in the percentage of the vote with African Americans. Um, you, you're not speaking in a vacuum. This is These are not outlier polls. It's every major polling organization has picked up on a dramatic uptick in the president's support with African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace. They're, they're happy they have jobs. Um, but you see numbers anywhere between 16 and 34 and a half percent in the African-American community. And does that translate into votes? And if so, is, is this now a, a shift that, as me as a conservative in particular, have been wanting for a long time? Because I believe conservative policies work for every American. 
And I hate the identity politics and the lies that Republicans are racist that we hear every two and four years. Well, John, I couldn't have said it better myself. I am, I am where you are as a conservative waiting for a president to go after every single vote in the nation, and no one has done it better in my lifetime than President Trump. Think about the accomplishments, not from an identity politics strategy, but from simply loving your country and wanting every single person to benefit from the flourishing of the American spirit. President Trump has provided criminal justice reform, opportunity zones, low unemployment, sick cell research, heirs property, making it easier for African-American farmers to participate in the farm program, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, permanent funding done under President Trump, the fastest wage growth at the bottom, 4.5%, faster than the top. 3%. This is something we should all celebrate, no matter the hue of your skin, no matter the location of your house, you should be celebrating the greatest economic comeback story that we've had in my lifetime. And that's why the president's numbers from a polling perspective in the African-American community has been as high as 34, 35%. I think that translates into between 12% to 15% voter participation or voter engagement for the president. Said differently, President Trump can see at least a 50% bounce in the African-American community. And, Sean, you know if he gets to 14%, I think the game is over and we just call it a day. You know, when you set record low unemployment, again, everything gets broken down demographically, but in identity politics, look, you've heard this all your political career, all my years, 31 years on radio, following a lot of campaigns. Yeah, Republicans are racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, want dirty air, water, grandma and grandpa to eat dog food, cat food, and throw them over a cliff. Um, the only one that wants to throw grandma and grandpa over the cliff, though, turns out to be uh, Bloomberg, who says, ah, you're 95, go home, you've lived a good life, you've exceeded, you know, the your life expectancy. He's actually on tape saying that. So I, I to me, it's these policies are working. And then you mentioned the opportunity zones and criminal justice reform and historically black colleges that that were in desperate needs of funds. This president came through on all of those issues, and yet they still say the same thing repeatedly. Why? Because they know that the only chance they have is to pull out some bogus story about the president being racist. And the facts are a racist does not focus attention on historically black colleges and universities. He certainly doesn't work on discoveries and research in the sickle cell anemia, a disease that is 100 uh, percent black. He doesn't work on heirs property. He certainly doesn't work on wage growth at the bottom of the food chain. What President Trump has done, and it was before he was president, he's always had positive relationships in all communities. Before he was president, I sat down with him in his office. He could not have been kinder. He could not have been more generous. He could not have been more affable and conversational. This president is a counterpuncher. If you hit him, you should expect to get hit back. However, if you embrace the concept that we are all in the same boat together, Sean, it's impossible 
to not see the accomplishments of the last three years and say the country as a whole, not the black part, not the white part, not the red part, not the brown part, not the yellow part, not, not the straight or, or, or gay, not the rich or poor, but the nation as a whole, we are moving forward together in a way that we haven't seen economically in 50 years. And then if you think about it from a social justice perspective, for the president to weigh in on criminal justice reform to make our legal system more fair, that is monumental in transformation after the Clinton criminal justice reform focused more attention on African-American males. You know, the, it's when the president ends his rallies, we are one glorious nation under God. We are one American family. I believe he means that. Now, two other things that I like that the president's doing that's good for every American. Number one, energy independence. We're now, for the first time in 75 years, we have more resources than all the Middle East combined. And if you ever want to bring down the hostile regime of Russia and and the hostile actor Putin, uh, we should get our vast energy supplies and outproduce him and get it to our Western European allies but it's great for foreign policy because we don't have to get involved in Middle Eastern entanglements uh, because the free flow of oil at market prices is in play because it won't be in play for us. But even more importantly, our high paying career jobs for our fellow Americans and by cutting out illegal immigration, that means wages and benefits are going to rise dramatically. You're 100% right. Let me start with the energy sector. By the way, I think we're liking you better than Lindsey Graham. You know, Lindsey's coming in second today. I'm not so sure. we we got to get you on TV more. Lindsey's on TV all the time now. Well, listen, Lindsey Lindsey Graham is a great American, and thank God for his leadership with the Judiciary Committee. But he, he is and I great. should fight over our time on your shows all the time, every day of every week. But, you, I mean, Sean, think of what you just said. Uh, we opened up under President Trump Anwar. We have made our position as the world's best energy place. Number one, if you think about oil, gas, and nuclear, we are the world's strongest energy country. Number two, if we were to start exporting LNG into the, the Russian, Russian footprint, it is so disruptive that we could change alliances and the dependency on Russian oil. I think if we break into that supply chain, we change the relationships in Eastern Europe in a powerful way. You were talking about something that is look, look at the Straits of Hormuz. I mean, a, a third of the, the third of the oil price, a third of the world's oil comes through the, the the narrow Straits of Hormuz. It doesn't impact us anymore, does it? It certainly does not have the impact. I, mean, I think the answer is less than ten percent of any energy that we need comes through the Strait of Hormuz anymore. That is a strategic change under President Trump that we've seen manifest in our nation, and frankly, our future is even better than the past as it relates to energy independence, because we have someone who will finally allow our energy to be extracted in an environmentally safe, cost-effective way that benefits the American consumer, but also creates a global market for American energy. This this is you know, one of the things changes. I'm proud of, we actually spent time on this program and we were partnering uh, people that wanted a better life, better jobs. Maybe people were kind of in dead end jobs, et cetera. 
with oil companies, these are high-paying career jobs that people have been getting. Uh, they, tra- they were training truck drivers, if you can believe it, training them, giving them a place to live, eighty grand a year starting and all the overtime you can handle. Uh, if you're making $30,000 a year, that, that is huge. Huge, Sean. Here's, here's one of the, the hidden secrets, uh, the hidden jewels in the Trump economy. It doesn't take $50,000 in a four-year degree to make six-figure income. You can literally, through apprenticeship programs, community college, uh, or 12-week programs, become a, a, a welder, get in the energy business, become a plumber. You can find a high-paying job without student loan debt. There is dignity in all work. And a part of this great American comeback story in the Trump economy is the fact that without the burden of college debt, if you are more suited to go straight to work out of high school, guess what? As a lifelong learner, you can make six figures instantly. And that is something that was not available, not available five years ago. All right, Senator Tim uh, Scott from South Carolina. By the way, are you going to the debate tonight or are you, are you not allowed because you're a Republican? Well, I, I bet they would boo me out and, and, and throw ah, things at me. That's so something to I'm be proud watch. of. Right. All right, we have time for a quick phone call here. Uh, Attila is in Wisconsin. We will be watching Wisconsin in 252 days. A minute 15. It's all yours, Attila. How are you? Great, Sean. It's a, it's a privilege to be talking to you. Hey, I have a three-part question for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that Craney, uh, crazy Bernie Snapperhead Sanders gets bought off yet again, this time by the Blumenberg uh, number two, if the Democrat Party rigs another primary race against him, does St. Bernard leave the Democrat Party and go back to being an independent for good, taking with him millions of communist supporters, destroying the DNC? And thirdly, do you think anyone calls Bernie, Bernie Nomack out on his uh, top cam- campaign staff when busted on, on Project Veritas videos? Because it's no. going to get ugly. They're fighting for their life. So to save their It's amazing that he kept the guy on that was saying all of this. Oh, the gulags weren't that bad. Remember that? Um, You know, this is where the mob and the media is just so corrupt. We have a deep state that's corrupt. uh, We have a mob that's corrupt. And they're in unison. One extreme radical democratic socialist agenda is what's in play for we, the American people. By the way, I want to say something to Wisconsin dairy farmers. Uh, I know how hard your work is. It's seven days a week, and uh, I only wish Mike Bloomberg understood how hard you all work, and thank you for the work you do in providing us the milk and the cheese that sustain us every day. Thank you. Every word Donald Trump says about Russia's attack on our democracy sounds as if it were written by one of Vladimir Putin's speechwriters. He attacked the intelligence community. Uh, They don't always get it right, but he seems to believe President Putin over Americans. Because you see both the Sanders campaign and the, and the Trump campaign um, either denying it or blaming the media for it. it, it doesn't help. It actually, well, it does help. It helps the Russians. Among the most important are the requirements in FBI policy that every FISA application must contain a, quote, full and accurate, close quote, presentation of the facts and that agents must ensure that all factual statements in FISA applications are, quote, scrupulously accurate, close quote. 
These are the standards for all FISA applications, regardless of the investigation sensitivity, regardless, I'm sorry, and it is incumbent upon the FBI to meet them in every application. Nevertheless, we found that investigators failed to meet their basic obligations of ensuring that the FISA applications were scrupulously accurate. We identified significant inaccuracies and omissions in each of the four applications, seven in the first application and a total of 17 by the final renewal application. All right, that is the Inspector General Horowitz. Pretty damning information. Uh, yeah, 17 specific examples, 54 subset examples if you go through the entire report. And yeah, when you look at all the Inspector General reports, you also see, oh, lack of candor. I mean, the, the double standard in our justice system to date is unprecedented, and it is extraordinarily dangerous, especially if you believe in constitutional governance, the rule of law, equal justice under the law, and equal applications of our laws. You know, I, I've noticed, and I tweeted out today, uh, this issue about extradition of Julian Assange in Great Britain. And I had gone down there and I interviewed him and in, I think it was January, what, 2017? This is when the charges of Trump, Russia, Russia, Trump, Trump, Russia began. You know, be, the echo chamber began. And I, I went at at least 14 different ways. Julian Assange. All right. Did you get this information from Russia? No. Did you get this? It was not a state party. It was not this. Give every answer you could possibly give. And and I'm thinking, well, we did have interference in the in terms of Russia. First of all, we should have listened to Devin Nunes. Devin Nunes warned us in 2014 that the hostile regime of Russia, led by the hostile actor Vladimir Putin, would attempt election interference as they had done in previous elections. And are they going to try it now? Sure, they're going to try it now. And but the warning was sent out and Obama, Biden did nothing. You got Hillary Clinton. We now know paid for a dirty Russian dossier that was we now know not only unverifiable, but also full of lies, a ton of lies. Uh, uh, hookers urinating in Donald Trump's Ritz Carlton uh, suite that he was staying in in Moscow. It never happened. But you had hacks in the media took the dirty, unverified and unverifiable now debunked dossier and people like David Korn and Michael Isikoff. And oh, yeah, they wrote about it before the election. Hillary paid for that Russian disinformation, as The New York Times called it, Russian disinformation from the get go. How is that possible? I mean, we got somebody right here in the United States. We don't have to have extradited for anything. And then nothing happens. And if we have uh, if we don't have equal justice under the law, we don't have a constitution because every law in this country is based on constitutional order. Our constitution is the foundation of every law that we have in this country. Just a fact. Uh, you may remember Carter Page, former foreign policy advisor, foreign. Well, he worked for a three letter agency that I believe begins with C uh, anyway, was a, worked on the, the Trump campaign, was a volunteer, unfairly targeted by his own government. Now, it was that dirty dossier, Russian dossier, that turned out to be debunked and false that became the basis of the four FISA applications. They, got, they have to be renewed every three months, the original application in October of 2016, and then three subsequent renewals. Every three months, they'd get a renewal. 
And we now know that everybody had been warned ahead of time, don't trust Steele. He's got a political agenda against Trump. Uh, Hillary paid for it, and none of it's been verified. But they used it as the bulk of information. And by the way, as a side note, the compromised congenital liar, Adam Schiff, you know, was telling the American people for three years that he had all the evidence needed that Trump colluded with Russia. How do the Clintons always get away with this? How is it possible? Why, why are we worried about the extradition of Julian Assange? Who, to, in every answer he gave me, he said over and over again, he did not get the information from Russia. Now, can I say with 100% certainty that's true? No. Have I had people in, in the intelligence world community tell me that he did, in fact, get it from them? Yes. Uh, but, but we have somebody right here that, that bought and paid for simultaneously with funneled money to a law firm to act like a law expense, not campaign expense for op research because the law firm hired the op research group Fusion GPS that hired Christopher Steele. They took away the civil liberties, constitutional rights of Carter Page. They spied on him, but that gave him a backdoor to then spy on candidate Trump, the president-elect Trump, and then deep into the Trump presidency. Now, why is she getting a pass? Why is there no extradition for her from her home in Chappaqua, wherever she happens to be at this moment? And ironically, she's out there today saying again, Russia's going to try and interfere again. She's trying to claim that is what defeated her. But even the New York Times three years later concluded Hannity's research was right. And it was likely she paid for Russian disinformation, which, by the way, would blow the narrative that the Russians were trying to help Trump out of the water. But nobody in the mob and the media ever covers that. Anyway, Carter Page is with us. How are you, sir? Sean, I'm doing great. You're you're so right. And there's so much more beyond it. So I'm. I, I'm hopeful we're starting to get to the bottom of this, but it's we're just tip of the iceberg still years later after you already uncovered this. Okay, so all of this happened to you. The Justice Department watchdog is now referred an FBI agent by the name of Stephen Soma for disciplinary review after investigation into the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act abuses. And apparently he was a counter intel investigator in the FBI's uh, New York field office identified as case agent one and in the inspector general's report released in December sources telling the New York times that uh, Soma is that official. The FBI didn't respond for comment and he was primarily responsible for some of the most significant errors omissions during the process of obtaining the FISA warrants uh, in your particular case. Now my problem with this whole article, it seems like they're dumping everything on this one guy uh, from what I know, his signature was not on, any of the FISA applications, was it? You're, you're absolutely right, Sean. And, you know, he actually was far more honest and far more uh, professional in terms of all of his dealings. I had a number of meetings with him. I met him five times in March of 2017. That same month is when the congenital liar, Adam Schiff, is, is saying all those DNC lies. Yes, you're right that Mrs. Clinton was involved in that, but it was a much bigger network of liars, the Democrat liars that were pushing this with their paid consultants, their lawyers, a massive fraud upon a uh, foreign intelligence surveillance court. So, yes, there are uh, there's 
So that, you're you know, almost thinking that this guy was more thorough, point. but but why do you agree with me that they're likely dumping all of this on him? Absolutely, yes. Both him and as Because well they're as saying Mr. he Klein was primarily yeah. responsible for some of the most significant errors, omissions during the process, uh, but yet, from my understanding, uh, Kathleen Kavlak warned the upper echelon of the FBI and the DOJ not to trust this dossier, uh, as did Bruce Orr. Now, he was the fourth highest ranking official in the Department of Justice. He wasn't telling, I'm, I'm assuming he wasn't telling a New York field office FBI agent, uh, case agent one, uh, not to trust the dossier. I would assume he was telling Comey and McCabe and, and the people that were at the, the tippy top, right? Well, definitely not only that, but, you know, you look at uh, poor Roger Stone, who has, you know, has this line to Congress charge against him. And, you know, again, all and they send in 29 guys in tactical gear and frogmen and uh, CNN cameras yeah. just happen to be there magically. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about lies to Congress. There have been a lot of lies related to these fraudulent uh, dossier uh, based uh, FISO affidavits that were submitted to the foreign intelligence surveillance court so no one you're absolutely right you know this is a junior to a low-level guy uh and everything's being put on his back and you know again there's a lot more even just related to my you know 10 plus hours with him throughout the month of month of march 2017 there's so much more related to that and i think now is the time we're going to start getting uh I, i need to start giving out a lot more information. I, I know you've pushed me on sort of some of my intelligence work in the in the past, but I'm now going to be saying much more about that very soon. So what do you what can you tell us what you did? I mean, give us a preview of coming attractions. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot more to it, Sean, and it's it's kind of a longer story. Uh, I'm going to have some, you know, I'll, I'll tell I can tell you about it later this week. And uh, I'm actually going to be, uh, you know, giving a sneak preview of a few things. I'm at uh, CPAC uh, tomorrow night, and uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll make sure you get a copy of my uh, you know Rowan Scarborough from Washington Times, who who you featured on the show. Uh, you know, some of his articles. He's uh, he's going to be interviewing me. We're going to we're going to dig into a lot of those you know initial details, but there's so much more that needs to be uncovered and immediately released. You know, I I know you've been talking with uh, Chairman Graham and other leaders of Congress in terms of these. Uh, all of these uh, people involved in the fraudulent dossier uh, and the fraudulent FISA warrants. But, you know, I, uh, I, I've not been uh, requested for information, and I'm, I'm planning to give much more out very soon. So, you know, I, I think all the time for the cover-ups and lies are over. And now we, re- you know, particularly with the, the next election coming up, you know, and at this terrible election interference, which has not been fully addressed by anyone yet, I think, you know, we really need to start fighting back to make sure that the Democrats fraud on an election doesn't happen again. Did you see the uh, the Solomon report that declassified FBI memos undercut Mueller's team's claims about Papadopoulos that he hindered the Russian probe and they directly conflict with the court filings of Mueller's team and asking a federal judge to send uh, George Papadopoulos to prison? Uh, in other words, the Freedom of Information Act release you know, it, it points out that uh, literally the, this guy Zelensky, a prosecutor of Mueller's playing a key role in all of this, working on this case and a Trump confidant, you know, uh, Roger Stone. Anyway, that he made headlines 
by resigning from the Stone case. But anyway, he's apparently the guy was one of three Mueller team prosecutors signing a sentencing memo in August of 2018, seeking prison time for Papadopoulos, arguing that Papadopoulos hindered federal prosecutors ability to question or arrest a European professor, Joseph Misford, in February 2017. Uh, and according to the memo, uh, this guy and fellow Mueller prosecutors, oh, Hillary Clinton's former uh, attorney, Jeannie Ray and Andrew Goldstein, uh, he lied. His lies undermine investigators and their ability to to challenge the professor. But now we have 302 reports detailing the interviews with Papadopoulos show he had, in fact, supplied the information that would have enabled the investigators to challenge or detain or arrest misfoot. So they lied again. You're absolutely right, Sean. And I know you and John Solomon have been breaking these news stories going back several years already. There is, you know, that's another example in terms of the people involved in the Mueller aspect of the overall macro witch hunt. All of the three uh, Democrat donors who were interrogating and harassing me, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, potential misconduct there. I'm going to have a lot more to say about that, too, as we start uh, really unveiling the, uh, you know, the full truth about this. I, you know, I've been very patient. People are not moving fast enough. We're up against a, you know, the next election and we have to avoid the next uh, election interference by the Democrats. And unfortunately, we have had. No accountability thus far. So the time has come to really start fighting. All back. right. We have to let it go here. Uh, Carter Page, always great to have you. We'll update people uh, as warranted as needed when we come back. Uh, Bernie's comments about Nicaragua, the Soviet Union and Cuba. Maria Salazar has a thing or two to say to him because he's. These comments are that ignorant and more straight ahead. Up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. End of discussion. So to the Democrats who say you don't say good things about Fidel Castro. He uh, destroyed freedoms in that country. He played picks winners and losers and killed them and put them in prison forever. You don't give him a pat on the back for anything. You don't give it's not a quite truth is truth. All right. Now, if you want to disagree with me, if somebody wants to say that, and by the way, all of those Congress people that you mentioned just so happen to be supporting other candidates, just accidentally, no doubt, coincidentally. But, you know, the truth is the truth. And that's what happened in the first years of the Castro regime. He was a romantic figure when he came into power. And when he knocked off a corrupt dictator, Batista, we American young young high school kids and kids in those days rooted like mad for the guy. We thought here was this guy in a in fatigues with a beard coming in out of the countryside, uh, leading a revolution that swept aside this old corrupt regime. And he was going to be almost like a folk hero to most of us. I went to Cuba. Oh, yeah, so did yeah. I went to Cuba last April. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting. I mean, they have a 100 percent literacy rate there. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets a free education. Everybody has else. top of the line medical care. So everyone's healthy. Top of the line. Pretty good. Yeah. A declared socialist, he dramatically improved health care and literacy. And he believes that uh, what he's done in Cuba has been a success in the sense that Cuba has one of the highest literacy rates in the world. Uh, they have. Uh, doctors that they send. I think uh, he will be revered as someone who brought education and social services and medical care to all of his people. He put health care, education, 
culture and the capacity for Cuba to have an independent foreign policy front and center as part of his legacy. And in Cuba, and I think we have to understand that there are 11 million people in Cuba, that legacy will be digested as giving Cuba a place on the world stage. All right, there it is, the love of all things Cuba. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You know, it is amazing to me. I've told this story on the air before. News Roundup Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. You know, we're very opposed to authoritarian nature, the authoritarian nature of, of Cuba, right? That was, that was asked Sunday in 60 Minutes. But, you know, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. When I was early in my career in Huntsville, Alabama, what year was it? 1990 and 92, I was on the air in Huntsville, Alabama. The local newspaper, when I left, said goodbye to the talk show host from hell in an editorial, which I'm very proud of. And four years later, when I left Atlanta to go to Fox News, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution said, oh, at the end of the year, 1996 was a great year for two reasons. The Olympics came and Hannity left. Very proud of that, too. But I digress. I met a man, and he's since passed away. Lovely, lovely man. His name was Armando de Quesada. Now, he ran a pizza place. It was called Mando's Pizza. And the pizza was phenomenal. It was an advertiser on my radio show. I used to go there all the time. And I sat and I talked to this guy over and over again. I just loved the guy. He came from Cuba. He barely escaped with his life. And he came here with nothing, and he, and he built a life for himself and his family. And he built a restaurant, a restaurant big enough that he could afford advertising on my radio show. He happened to be a fan of the show and told everybody to go to Mando's Pizza in Decatur, Alabama. And I just got to know this guy. And he said, no, my, my family was wealthy in Cuba pre-revolution. My family, uh, many of my friends and, and neighbors and family members, they were murdered by Fidel Castro. They were murdered by their thugs. Our property was all stolen. It was all confiscated. And I sat and I just would listen to these stories and listen to how he barely escaped with his life. And then over the many, many years that I've now 31 years in radio doing this, I we have covered the issue of Cuba so often, wet foot, dry foot, whether we should keep that policy, whether it's unfair to people coming from other countries. I mean, literally, if you can get one foot on dry land and you're coming from Cuba, you get to stay. And I've always had a special place in my heart for people that get in broken down, rickety uh, boats and shark infested waters or paddle away in an inner tube because life is so bad in Cuba. And, you know, we had this controversy come up many years ago where I guess it was Michael Moore bragging about the great health care system in Cuba. There's nothing great about the health care system in Cuba ever. By any stretch of the imagination. And why do you think they have all these, you know, 1950s cars in Cuba? Because they, they, the poverty is that bad in Cuba. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And I just sit here and I, with amazement. Well, they have a good educational system, Bernie said. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? The, the level of ignorance, you know, him going and honeymooning in the former Soviet Union, him praising Danielle or. Ortega in Nicaragua and this guy, you know, visiting communist Cuba under Castro, heaping praise on Castro, praising the free health care, free education, free housing, which is like the worst in the world. 
And then he's sticking down and doubling down on stupid. The Castro regime murdered innocent people and stole their land and chased them out of the country they love. The Republic of Cuba seized tens of thousands of private farms and homes and businesses. They they literally killed their political enemies. They expanded their confiscation nationwide. All the hundreds of thousands of Cubans that were, were lucky to get out and get to the United States, they were the lucky ones. 140,000 political dissidents murdered. That's just the low side of the estimates. Thousands more thrown in prison than the, the keys, you know, lost for in perpetuity. You know, everyone in Cuba lives under oppression, even to this day, and poverty and no freedom of speech. There's like 5% of Cubans that have access to the Internet. According to human rights groups, we have surveillance, beatings, arbitrary detentions, public acts of repudiation still being used by the Cuban government. Maria Salazar is with us, congressional candidate, Florida, 27th District, friend of the program. Uh, I think you escaped Cuba with your family. Now you're listening to Bernie again doubling down on their massive literacy program. Well, I think you and many people that you know well uh, would disagree. Absolutely, and thank you for the opportunity, Sean. Indeed, we are friends of your programs, and we are friends of this community and that's the reason why I'm running in District Number 27. We're appalled. We're insulted because you know what's the cruel part in all this is that Bernie Sanders knows the truth. He went to Cuba in the 80s, and by the in the 80s, all the atrocities that you have been saying had been committed already. For instance, the homosexuals, those that had homosexual orientations, were put in a concentration camp called the UMAP, U-M-A-P. And you know what they would do? They would put electric shocks to those in the genitals in order to uh, pretend or wanting to change their sexual orientations from gay to straight. So I don't understand how come uh, right now the gay community in the United States doesn't rise up and uh, criticizes Bernie Sanders for saying that the truth is the truth. Oh, indeed. The truth is the truth. Fidel, Sean, has been the most cruel and the most evil revolution in the Americas ever since the arrival of Christopher Columbus in 1492. No other revolution in the United States in this hemisphere has seen the cruelty and has seen the evilness that the Cuban Revolution performed on the Cuban people because they got their prescription and the recipe from the Stasi in East Germany and from the KGB in the Soviet Union. Fidel was very smart, and he invited those two repressive agencies to come to Havana and he put together a new prescription or a new recipe, and he made it even better. So he took repression to scientific levels, something that we had never seen in the Americas, in this Western Hemisphere. So when Bernie Sanders says he's almost 80 years old, we're talking about 60 years of oppression, exile, and misery. So how could he be saying this? And that is what I think that we have to be most concerned about, because he knows it's a lie. And the problem is that the millennials and these young kids that are after this new idea of democratic socialism that does not exist because it's like democratic fascism, they may be not very well informed, but Bernie is. And that is what I think is the most dangerous. That's why, why do you think then, I mean, this is a serious question. Why do you think he just refuses to see the truth? But what, what, what is it about him or in him that refuses to 
understand the murder, the oppression of people, the confiscation of property and the poverty and the misery that's created by by, by these socialist regimes that I guess start out with all of the same, you know, lofty goals. Because I think it's the only political model that through democracy allows you to gain power. That's what Venezuela did. That's what Chavez. And every time, and to answer your question, Chavez in Venezuela promised the same thing that Bernie Sanders is promising now. Democratic socialism. Oh, no, no, we are not Cuba. No, we're not the Soviet Union. We are Denmark. It's a lie. Because Stay right Denmark there. And... Obviously, very different. Very addicted. He loves all the worst communist countries. Unbelievable. Where the most murder has taken place. Pretty scary stuff. Uh, along with his rape fantasy thing that he wrote. Along with his policies, a new Green Deal. Somebody give Bernie Sanders a calculator, please. All right, as we continue, Maria Salazar responding. And she's, by the way, is a candidate for Congress, Florida's 27th District. A friend of the program escaped Cuba with her family. Responding to these remarks, the love of Bernie Sanders that he has for Cuba and the former Soviet Union, who honeymoons there, and Daniel Ortega, etc. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, he's leading the Democratic Party by a long shot. What do you think? Well, and that is what's scary, because those people that are voting for him do not know what they're doing. And that's the reason why people like you need to be denouncing, because what he is promising is a fraud. It's a lie. It's not true. And it has been proven. And you were asking me, how come uh, people are voting? Well, they're voting a bit. But even Bernie, I go back to Bernie because the, he's the conniving. He's the evil one. Why? Because he knows what those really regimes have done to their people. But it's the only way that you can, through democratic means, you can gain power. And that is what Fidel did. And that is what Chavez did. Even more Chavez. He had Venezuela was the richest country in Latin America and had the most solid democracy in Latin America. And what did Chavez promise? Democratic socialism. Oh, yeah, we're going to take care of the poor. We are going to really do good things for those that do not have the same uh, opportunities. And I'm not saying that capitalism is perfect. Oh, no, it's not. We have problems, but we do not need structural changes and we do not need a revolution. We only need to tweak this economic model that we have, which works and has produced the 20th most prosperous and happiest countries in the world. Those that have a free market, growth, free economy, free market system. That's not what Bernie's promising. And that is what's so dangerous. Because Last question. Well, the president has seen an buying. uptick in his polling with Hispanic Americans, African Americans. What do you attribute that to? I attribute it because the overwhelming majority that among the Hispanics are the Mexicans who had never lived um, a socialist regime. But if you go to the Cubans, my, my group of people, if you go to the Nicaraguans, they had Daniel Ortega. You were saying it. Daniel Ortega, thank God for Ronald Reagan, that he funded a group of, uh, of rural people, of um, peasants that were called the Contras. That was not created by, by Reagan. I was there. I was a news reporter in Central America. And I saw them. They were trying to free themselves from the clause of socialism. Everything starts in Cuba. Cuba Fidel sent the script to Daniel so he could es establish communism and democratic socialism in Nicaragua. He, thank God uh, the United States intervened and we were able to free Nicaragua. And the same thing with Chavez. 
right there. Chavez is the best example. Chavez is not Denmark. Listen, if big government were to really to work, then Venezuela should be Switzerland, and it's not. And what Bernie is promising us, and what he is is selling to the electorate, is Venezuela, is not Denmark. The problem is ignorance, Sean. It's ignorance because the bombing majority of the millennials have not lived. They did not live um, uh, the Cold War. They have never been to Cuba. They don't even know where Nicaragua or Venezuela is. And that is the big problem. And if you feel that you are, that you don't have the same opportunities, that you don't have the health care that you deserve, or maybe you didn't go to school the way you wanted to go, or you don't have enough money, then what he's promising sounds fantastic. The problem is that he's taking you into a dark alley. The only way and the only economic model, the uneconomic model that will take those people that feel that they have not had the same opportunity to have that opportunity is free market. Obviously, All right, I got to let you go here, Maria Salazar. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, I know you're running for Congress, but you know you have so much to say and so much to offer. How do they get in touch with you? Well, you know, I lifted. I didn't read it. I lifted through my parents. The only way that you can you can go to my website, MariaElviraSalazar.com. And yes, I'm running for Congress, and I need all the help I can get because I will be that very strong voice in the United I, I, States Congress. Listen, and unless it's going to hurt you, you have my full support. Okay. <laughs> Um, you've been an amazing voice for liberty, truth, and freedom, and uh, we appreciate all you do. Thank you for being with us. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hit the phones next as we continue. All right, 25 now until the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Um, I'm getting very, 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 very nervous about constitutionally our our two-tier justice system. So Roger Stone is back in court today, and the judge in this case, the same judge in the Manafort case, um, is saying things that just are shocking to me and don't seem particularly true. Judge's name is Amy Berman Jackson. Anyway, so this judge saying she would be placing limitations on public access to the proceedings surrounding Roger Stone's effort to secure a new trial. Now, what do we know in this particular case? We know that Roger Stone, that the jury foreperson, had tweeted out things against the president and against Roger Stone prior to being seated on this jury. Our Constitution, we do have a Sixth Amendment. It's supposed to allow us to have an impartial jury. It's pretty clear. It's not that hard to figure out. Speedy trial and impartial jury. You would think if you have a fair and free and open justice system that that would be basic and fundamental. Because this is not an America where you have equal justice and equal application of our laws. Anyway, so I'm reading from Talking Points Memos and they're covering the story today about about Roger Stone and. Anyway, the judge adding the the risk of intimidation, the highly publicized case in a highly politicized political environment, climate. And the president himself has shown the spotlight on the jury through his Twitter platform. Well, that was another outrage. Why did they silence Roger Stone during the entire case? That never made any sense to me. I don't think that was particularly fair. Roger Stone wants to proclaim his innocence in a case and put out evidence for the public to see. Why wouldn't he have the right to do that? I thought we had freedom of speech in America. But for her to claim that the president's comments were false and incendiary, that that's not true either. And yeah, it is a highly publicized case. 
It is a polarized political climate. I'm not disagreeing with any of that. That's fine. Uh, The judge adds that the risk of harassment or intimidation is high for the juror. Well, Stone's request for a new trial is filed under seal. Other documents related to the request also shielded from the public. And the judge now is imposing more restrictions on the new trial request proceedings. You know, just after, you know, Roger Stone's facing, you know, 40 months in prison for lying. Where are all these other people that we've had that have lied? I have a whole list of them. James, you can bring it in if you're listening. And Stone had filed the request, you know, under seal, as the judge asked. He really doesn't have much of a choice. I think we need a a, a shift, a change in judges in this particular case. Anyway, all the, the, the reason that juror spoke out was because she didn't like the fact the attorney general looked at the nine-year recommended jail time sentence and said this is ridiculous. You know, rapists that are convicted on average median time in jail is four years, two months. Lying, you know, okay, nobody gets nine years for lying in jail. But that's how overzealous these prosecutors are in this particular case. Anyway, I would think Stone has, this is a slam dunk case, considering this juror had preconceived notions and political views that were stated that were hostile to Roger Stone specifically and the president specifically. And I think this is pretty outrageous. Ran for Congress. We have transcripts from the jury selection process indicating Stone's defense team was uns- uh, was aware of her congressional bid but they were not aware uh, of her comments on social media. Now, I, I guess an argument could be made that they should have known that. I think the bigger argument is the juror should have disclosed that. Why wouldn't that be brought up? Um, Your Honor, I just need you to know I'm willing to sit on the jury, but I had tweeted out about this case because any judge would have said dismissed. I know everybody that works for me when they get called for jury duty they just mentioned they work for me and the next thing that happens is dismissed what is that how many of you in there has that happened to it happened linda never happened to you right no they get rid of me for my own good uh for for me they don't even need me to mention you oh we have people outside our room that i won't even begin to mention uh they just say yeah i work on uh rush limbaugh and sean hannity's radio show because rush's new york studios next to our studio Anyway, while the details of Stone's allegation remain undisclosed, uh, at the hearing, th- this should be a slam dunk. This should be a slam dunk. And at the hearing unsealing the proceedings, the judge brings up the president's tweets, you know, going after a juror. Why shouldn't he? Now, he's the top law enforcement officer. She noted claims by Tucker Carlson, you know, saying she's an anti-Trump zealot sitting on the jury. She says that's incendiary and false information about the jury, et cetera, et cetera. Warned individuals angry about Stone's conviction may choose to take it out on members of the jury personally. Attempts to invade the privacy of the juror. Linda, am I not, am I mistaken here? Did the juror not out herself on social media, Facebook, if I'm not mistaken? That's 100% correct. It's 100% correct. She tweeted and she was on Facebook. Okay, so now the question is, why would we not have that information out there? Why not? You know, I I tweeted out, for example, I had interviewed Julian Assange back in, when was that, January of 2017? December of 2016 and January of 2017. January, it was January 3rd, 2017. Now, shockingly, the New York Times in May of last year put out 
an editorial, and I think it probably is due to the Pentagon Papers case, Julian Assange's indictment aims at the heart of the First Amendment. And is the Trump administration and wants to use the Espionage Act. This, these are prosecutors. I don't think the president knows a thing about any of this stuff. But anyway, to redefine what journalists can or cannot publish. And, and you know, I'm sitting there and I'm watching all of this unfold. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, um, okay, this is pretty interesting because I ask in that interview of Julian Assange repeatedly. And he's been on my radio show. I asked the Russia question, what, seven different ways? about right and I'll, I'll go over the transcripts of it and you know but what yet in america we already know hillary clinton that she funneled money into a law firm called perkins cooey campaign finance violation right off the top and that money was then spent to hire fusion gps robert Mueller, when he testified didn't know who fusion gps is anyway just like he didn't know who Jeannie ray is which is shocking uh, then the money, they use that to hire Christopher Steele. Then Christopher Steele creates what's known as a series of documents that become the, the dirty Russian dossier. Now we know it was never verifiable because when he was in an interrogatory in Great Britain, we know that he was questioned under the threat of perjury under oath. And he said, I have no idea if any of it's true. That makes it unverifiable. The top of a FISA application, and we had Carter Page on earlier, says verified. Well, if it's unverifiable, it can't be verified, can it? Now it's been debunked. So you had four separate FISA court warrant applications that were filled out and signed by people like Comey and Buente and and Sally Yates and Rod Rosenstein. They all signed it. It says verified, but none of it was even verifiable. That's a problem. So Hillary Clinton paid for a dirty Russian dossier full of lies about Donald Trump. She paid for it. They leaked some of it to the press because some of it got out before the election and they did it to impact the 2016 election. She's out there today lecturing everybody. Oh, Russia's going to try and interfere in 2020 again. And I'm like, well, when is she going to be, quote, extradited? I mean, I'm joking, but charged. When is she? Because even the New York Times finally concluded that our reporting was correct as it relates to the dirty dossier that she paid for, that she was warned. Everybody was warned. Don't trust Steele. Don't trust the dossier. Hillary paid for it. Don't trust the information. It's not verified. That was before the first FISA application. Kathleen Kavlak warned them from the State Department after she met with Christopher Steele. She warned the DOJ top officials. Bruce Orr, the fourth highest ranking member of the DOJ, whose wife worked on the dossier, said don't trust the dossier. Anyway, so she paid for Russian disinformation. Even the New York Times acknowledges it. Uh, that's Russian interference. And ironically, it's Russian interference that would help her. And she's warning us about 2020 when nobody listened to Devin Nunes back in 2014 when he warned the Russians would do this. Anyway, so when I'm interviewing Julian Assange, you know, this was right in the beginning when they started talking about this claim that the Russian government directly tried to were tied to the 2016 election hacking weeks to go blah 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 all right so i go i go and i i get the interview everybody was trying for it. we got it with julian assange of wikileaks and i think i asked all the right questions i said let me start with the american elections do you feel that wikileaks had uh, a role how big a role do you feel wikileaks had in the outcome of the election you didn't think donald trump was going to win 
He says, I didn't think Donald Trump would win. I thought the establishment, for want of a better word, would see Hillary Clinton losing and then would pile a bunch of money, more energy, various TV networks on her side and make sure she won. And he actually said, I think that analysis is still correct. Anyway, so they get right to the heart of the matter. And I start saying post-election, WikiLeaks, uh, the U.S. government is accusing WikiLeaks of receiving materials from Russia and Russia's cyber criminals with political agenda, influencing elections, talking about that and the Podesta emails. So I ask him the DNC emails. But in other ways, I asked you before, I'll ask you again today. I was asking him eyeball to eyeball. Did Russia give you this information or anybody associated with Russia? And he states, okay, I thought it was yeah, a little squirrely in the beginning. Our source is not a state party. So the answer for our interactions, meaning his and mine, is no. But if we look at the more recent statement by the U.S. government, whatever, we had five different branches of government presenting their accusations to underpin, underpin Obama's throwing out of 35 Russian diplomats, et cetera, et cetera. My interpretation is there's, you know, and he goes on to give it. Um, and then I, I, I didn't let go of it. That's what I do. Okay, and he says, so there's no evidence that, but the main focus for most Americans, they are being told by Hillary's campaign, by the President of the United States and Department of Homeland Security, et cetera, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, that, in fact, it was WikiLeaks was working with the Russian government to influence the election. Is that true in any way, shape, matter, or form? Julian Assange's answer, that is absolutely false. And if you read their statements carefully, he goes on to give a more detailed answer. I put this up on Twitter if you want to watch the whole interview. And then I go back again. Can you say to the American people unequivocally, you didn't get this information about the DNC, Podesta's emails. Can you tell the American people a thousand percent you did not get it from Russia? Yes. Meaning you didn't get it from Russia or anybody associated with Russia. Answer. We can say and we have said repeatedly over the last two months that our source is not the Russian government, is not a state party. And I, I went back even more times asking, Linda, how many times I go back on this thing? I went back again and again and again. Now, here's my point. OK, they want to go after Julian Assange for the Espionage Act. I'm like, uh, hello, Hillary has top secret classified uh, information on her secret server. Why don't we go after her? How come we have this dual justice system? We have somebody that we know bought and paid for a dirty Russian dossier to influence the 2016 election. All the things they're saying, I guess, in this extradition hearing about Julian Assange, at least Julian Assange. Now, I did ask him at one point, how does he view himself? You know, do you think you are a journalist? Well, you know, what is what do you think your role is? Um, and I, by the way, I asked them other things. Have you ever talked to any surrogates of the Trump campaign? No. Uh, have you ever talked to Putin? No. Trump? No. Any of his surrogates? No. Not one? No. There's a report you may have talked to somebody who's associated with the campaign, Roger Stone. No, that's false. I mean, we asked all the questions and then I said, well, how do you view yourself? Are you a journalist? Do you view this as reporting? And his answer was, well, there's a difference, which is our material is better presented, et cetera, et cetera. He likes to put out whole information is what he was saying here. The public responded to it more than, say, the New York Times. Now, it's interesting, the New York Times, and I think it has everything to do with the Pentagon paper case. And and that's when The Washington Post and The New York Times 
Um, the Pentagon Papers, a series of documents put together about the Vietnam War and the publishing of a series from page articles based on the information that came from the Pentagon Papers. This was a landmark 6-3 decision of the U.S. Supreme Court. This was a big deal, ruling that the government had failed to prove there was any harm to national security in the publication of papers justified under the First Amendment's protection of freedom of the press. Well, does Hillary Clinton get that? We have a dual justice system. That is the biggest problem. All right, we are loaded up. We have a madness in the Roger Stone case today. Uh, we have madness as it relates to the double standard and, and dual justice system with Julian Assange. No equal justice under the law. We have a list of liars that have yet to be held accountable. We got 2020 madness of Bernie and Bloomberg and so much more. We got it all covered. Your, we have a great lineup, too, of everybody. Uh, Carl Rove, Lawrence Jones, Marco Rubio, uh, Dan Bongino, Geraldo, so much more. 9 Eastern Hannity on the Fox News Channel. We'll see you then. Back here tomorrow.